Hello and welcome to the Empowered Hormone Podcast, where we pull apart all those taboo topics, periods, parasites, poos, hormones and more. Let's question everything you've been taught about your body. I'm your host, Sheridan Decker, a gin-loving gut health nerd passionate about debunking myths on birth control, period pain and IBS. If you struggle with bloating or your period is less than pretty, then join me as we chat about everything relating to gut and hormone health. Welcome to another episode of the Empowered Hormone Podcast. Today, we're going to chat about why you should never settle for an IVS diagnosis. This episode is brought to you by my upcoming online workshop, Bloated to Beautiful, how you can get to the root cause of your bloating. In this workshop, you'll discover why you're bloated, the root cause of your bloating, and how to use nutrition to beat your bloat. Head to the show notes to register for this free event on 6pm Australian Western Standard Time on February the 17th. So let's jump into IBS. Now, sometimes when I say IBS, people don't always know what exactly I am referring to. So IBS stands for Irritable Bowel Syndrome, okay? So It is describing a collection of symptoms and it's been given this umbrella or blanket sort of term which we then call uh, IBS. So what actually is IBS? Now, the title of this podcast says that IBS is a BS diagnosis. So pretty much IBS doesn't exist. Now, what do I mean by that? Does that sound a little bit harsh? Well, Maybe, maybe it is, but I actually say this from a place of genuine caring, okay? I have a desire to help you understand what IBS is and what it isn't. So when you've had these symptoms for a really long time, and I'm talking about bloating, constipation, diarrhea, stools that are so irregular that you don't know when you're having a bowel movement. So These are real symptoms and they do have a huge impact on your life. And often I talk to women who, you know, they may have to miss work or they can't exercise or they're not as productive, things like that which are causing them to really have a disruptive life. You've got to miss certain plans with family or friends or you don't want to socialize or you don't want to leave the house because, you know, you don't want to leave the comfort of your own bathroom or, you know, be at a restaurant and have what we might call a flare-up, maybe a reaction to a certain food or you're not really sure what it is and all of a sudden you're rushing to the toilets or the next couple of days you're just so bloated, you feel awful and you're going, I'm never doing that again. It's not worth it. So if that's been going on for quite a while, then often women have gone to the doctor. So you feel like you've had, you know, maybe some general standard testing done, and finally your GP's turned you and said, hey, you've got IBS, you've got irritable bowel syndrome, and you're like, oh, great, okay, cool, now what? Well, <laughs> it's not really the answer most of us have been looking for. So while IBS is technically a diagnosis, in reality, it's a label. So descriptions of what you are or what your symptoms are, but don't tell you why you have it. I mean, why is your bowel so irritable anyway? What's what's the underlying cause of it? 
So that's why I really want to empower and educate women to keep looking. So don't accept IBS as your diagnosis and then go on with it because you've still got those symptoms. You want to learn how to heal that. So rather than continuing in the things that you're doing which are causing this or maybe as your GP suggests taking you know some more Metamucil increasing your fire or drinking more water things that may help from time to time but if they're not dealing with that underlying problem you're always going to struggle with the IBS. So Yes, there is a lot you can do for IBS, all right? So taking charge of your health is really important. So let's talk a little bit more about it, what the actual diagnosis is and things that we can do today to start healing your IBS and bloating. So the actual diagnosis uh, criteria for IBS states that it is recurring abdominal pain. So it's a present at least one day per week during the previous three months. And this can be related to um, a bowel motion. It can be related to associated change in frequency of the stool or the appearance of the stool. So you need to have uh, one of those once a week for at least three months. Usually we're looking for up to six months of it. So this is actually quite broad. Uh, you know, a change in bowel movements, a change in stool appearance or frequency, those kinds of things, stomach pain that comes and goes, it can be hard to pick exactly what it is and it also offers no, you know, no explanation for this. Why does someone have abdominal pain at least one day per week? Why is it, you know, related to a bowel mo- movement? Why is it better after the bowel movement? Why are you constipated sometimes or why do you have loose stool sometimes? So these are questions that we actually do want to answer because we want to know, okay, why why do we have these things and how can we heal it so that you don't have to live with this stuff, okay? Now, I had my own experience with IBS and it actually went on for a really long time. I predominantly struggled with constipation and I couldn't figure out what the cause of it was. I felt like I was doing all the right things. I was eating well. I was drinking lots of water. I was exercising. I was, you know, eating vegetables and fruit. I had all that fiber, but I actually, you know, might go once a week, which actually is not normal. So some people might go, oh, I feel fine going once every couple days. But did you know that (laughs) that's actually not okay? If you feel fine, that doesn't mean it is fine, all right? So your feces are made up of, you know, toxins and waste and bacteria from within your body. So you need to be eliminating regularly once a day minimum to actually remove this waste out of your body, okay? So especially women when we're talking about hormone production and removing estrogen from the body, we need regular bowel movements, okay? Otherwise, that estrogen can recirculate through the body and have these damaging effects. So when it comes to IBS, regular bowel movements, for me, yes, it was constipation, but why? What was it? Now, I didn't know what my IBS was related to until I did the GR map, so until I did some functional stool testing. And I'll jump into that a little bit later. But until I 
did that, even doing all the right things that my GP suggested and I was taking laxatives and all those sides of things to try and keep me moving, it wasn't to have dealt with those underlying issues that things actually improved and actually got better again for me. So we know that IBS is not a cause, but it is rather a description of your symptoms. So sometimes taking medication can temporarily alleviate these symptoms, but it doesn't help you actually get better. So for example, your symptoms may be abdominal pain, bloating, diarrhea, but the underlying cause could be food intolerances, bacterial or yeast overgrowth, or malabsorption of issue, um, malabsorption of nutrients as well. So if you, you know, if you're un- unable to stop taking laxatives and your symptoms just keep coming back, then you know that that root cause hasn't been properly addressed. So symptoms are our body's way of telling us that something is wrong. So it's like, Sheridan, something's out of balance here. You're not having regular bowel movements or some people, they, you know, may go five, six times a day and things just keep moving through them. Think of how much fluid, nutrients, um, minerals, vitamins you are losing if you're going that many times a day. Now, you want to figure out whether, you know, if it's a reaction to food or whether there's something else going on. So the best way to do this, like I said, is running uh, stool tests so that you can actually see, hey, there's parasites. So, for example, I had two parasites in my gut plus the yeast overgrowth plus leaky gut plus food allergies. <laughs> so there was actually quite a lot going on there. And I don't see that in all of the women I work with, but I do see that in a lot of the women. Now, particular parasites can be linked to changes in bowel motions. Uh, candida can be strongly uh, related to bloating uh, and food allergies. Like, for example, um, if people are struggling to digest lactose, it can cause what we call like a flushing effect. Um, and within maybe an hour or so of eating it, you may be running to the toilet. Gluten or even some legumes may have the opposite effect. So, they may be really hard for your body to digest if you don't have the right bacterial balance to break them down and therefore you can get really bloated from them because they're actually fermenting within your gut so they're not getting broken down properly and then your body struggles to pass it through your system which can cause you to get constipated. For me, cutting out gluten did make a huge difference, um, especially working on healing and restoring that balance within my microbiome as well. Uh, the other changes that we, we notice is legumes sometimes as well, like I said, and then garlic and onion. So these are actually what we call high FODMAP foods, and I will touch on that in another podcast, but these foods are quite hard for your body to break down and digest. So this can cause a trigger of symptoms. Some of the severest ones are garlic, onions, legumes, gluten, and also sometimes your cruciferous vegetables. So cabbage, uh, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, those those types of vegetables are quite hard to digest on your body and they can cause a lot of bloating, which can trigger your symptoms because if your body's not breaking down properly, you're getting all these gas pockets within your large intestine, which can cause that constipation. 
Um, and when you've got that excess gas, that's when we tend to typically see that pregnancy type bloat. Uh, I had that for a very long time and it was really frustrating because you not only feel really uncomfortable, you look pregnant and you look overweight and it's not a it's not a nice feeling especially as females we're so conscious of how we look that we want to you know have that that flat stomach that's not uncomfortable and it's not bloated because it affects your mental health so much as well so IBS like I said is a collection of symptoms. So whether it's, like I said, IBS-C, so constipation, IBS-D, diarrhea, or some even go with IBS-M, which is like a mix. Some women find that they are men as well. They alternate between the two, okay? So for some symptomatic support, the first thing I would usually say is, hey, try remove FODMAPs for a short term um, and see how you go with that. Jump online, have a little look around. Now, FODMAPs is a short-term solution, so it's only two to six weeks, and then you start to reintroduce those back foods back in. It's really just to see what foods are triggers for you. The other things you can do if it's constipation and you're tired of relying on laxatives, you can try high-dose vitamin C and magnesium in the morning and the evenings will help to keep things moving. If you don't actually eat that well, like if your diet is really poor and you're not eating a lot of fiber, so not eating a lot of fruits and vegetables, that is definitely, definitely a good place to start as well. So adding more fiber into your diet. Okay. So chia seeds, uh, flax, uh, walnuts, um, any sort of nuts really adding in some of those gluten free grains. So quinoa, rice, uh, aramath, those sorts of things can help to actually improve your symptoms as well because gluten often does cause that constipation removing that in the short term and seeing whether you have an improvement in your symptoms can be really important too if you have tried a lot of those things and you're still struggling with constipation or diarrhea or severe bloating then i would suggest you look into running a gi map so that can be with a practitioner like myself or another trusted naturopath that you can work with just to rule out those underlying causes and figure out what it actually is. Because sometimes it is quite simple. It's a food allergy and you know you need to restore that microbiome balance before you can add that food back in. Sometimes there is pathogens or leaky gut or yeast overgrowth, which can be causing those symptoms as well. Uh, some women notice it in the large intestine. Some women uh, notice it with SIBO, so that small intestinal overgrowth. Once again, running some stool testing, functional testing can give you that more in-depth look so that you can actually heal it and you can go on to, you know, eat a bigger range of foods, not worrying about socialising, those kinds of things and think about, oh, no, what if my gut plays up? So it can be really debilitating and it can be really, really frustrating. So if this is something you struggle with, if you resonate with anything I've said, please reach out, let me know, um, jump to the link in the show notes and check out my seven days, seven ways to beat the bloat. That will give you a lot of information on bloating, IBS, how to get to the root cause, things, you know, practical things that I've talked about today that you can implement into your lifestyle to make it easier and better for you. Otherwise, find me on Instagram, send me a message. I love having a good DM and a good chat there. Jump on my website to read some more information. But 
yeah, please reach out. I'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to subscribe and I look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Empowered Hormone Podcast. If you know a female who needs some empowerment, please forward, repost, tag or share and let's get women talking. Mm -hmm.